You are listening to the Catholic Recon Podcast, testimonies from Catholic reverts and converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask. Don't forget to leave a review and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to this week's episode of Catholic Recon Testimonies from Reverts and Converts. This is now episode seven, believe it or not. I haven't had a chance to release all these. I've got a few in the hopper right now, but I just want to keep them cranking out. So today I've got another special guest, another local. This gentleman is Mike Roberts. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you so much, Eddie. My pleasure. And Mike and I, much like everyone else that has been on the show, met not too long ago. And I don't remember much about his testimony. In fact, I don't even know if he had a chance to share it with me. And you still invited me on. And I still invited you on because I'd rather have just an organic flow. I I respect this man. He's articulate. I just, I can sense the, um, the spirit of the Lord in this man. So that also lends a part to all this. So anyway, with that, I'd love for you to, to share the whole thing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for the intro. That was at the same time humbling and set the expectations kind of high. (laughs) That's what I do. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, I always, I used when I first converted, so my wife and I, so I'm married, I have seven kids. Uh, we live, uh, you know, we have a little two acre farm, you know, just kind of living the dream right now. Um, and I, I used to, when I first converted in 2006, I used to say that my conversion process started when my pastor converted. So I, w- I was evangelical Christian. Okay. Raised that. I, I always called myself a, um, a uh, you know, you've got cradle Catholic. Yeah. I call myself a cradle Protestant. You know, both my parents are very strong, still are very strong evangelical Christians. When you say evangelical, and that can mean a whole host of things. What it do you can, mean? you know, yeah. and I, you know, I've been throwing that term around for so many years and uh, you know, I, I won't, I don't be, I want, I don't want to proclaim to be the person who can actually define what that means sure, or what sure. that is, yeah, yeah. but I, I associate it with uh, more recent Movements. Protestant denominations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think primarily, and you know, correct me in the comments guys, but primarily it's uh, associated uh, with um, groups that speak in tongues. You know, so the, the more of the uh, charismatic type sure. Christians, yep. right? Yeah. Um, so I, I was raised uh, non-denominational, Assemblies of God, and Foursquare. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, so I call myself a, a cradle Protestant. You know, I was born on Saturday, in church on Sunday morning, and wow. and we you know we went to Sunday school on su- Sunday morning and Sunday service, Sunday night service. Then you had Wednesday night service, then you had youth group, and then you had home groups. Yeah. And then you had all the other events that you'd have that just were awesome. You know? Yeah. Lots of emphasis, emphasis on scripture. And I so back to my story, right? I always said my my story started, my conversion process started when my pastor converted. So I was going to a four square church okay. in Seattle, Washington. My my pastor converted and I thought, and we were really close friends. You know, I was actually, uh, I had actually gone to Bible college to be a pastor myself. Oh, okay. And so I wow. would, 
you know, I'm up there with my guitar leading worship, yeah. you know, and I would lead sermon series every once in a while. And like preach for 30, 40 minutes, that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Wow. And uh, it was, it was, it was a great time. We actually had started this church. It mm -hmm. was like a, a brand new uh, church plant in the Seattle area uh, for University of Washington students okay. as a primary target. And when, I'm you know? just, uh, when you say church plant, so you, Foursquare is kind of the parent to, and then the, the, the you, denomination, you, to yeah. that denomination. And they have, I'm assuming a statement of faith that sure. everyone is kind of adhering to. Sure. That plants a church. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. And it's kind of like you have, it's almost like it, it, when we say church plant, it's almost like, like the Catholic church says, Hey, we have a growing group of people here. This church, these two churches are busting at the seams. Yeah. Let's we open up a new parish church. down here. Yep. And so that's what, that's what we did. And, and my pastor converted and I was just blown away because I was raised that I wasn't raised anti-Catholic, I would say. Yeah. But it was anti-Catholic. I wasn't like losing sleep at night, staying up late at night, wondering, you know, like trying to beat the Catholics at their theology. But I was taught to believe that it was another works-based religion. Sure. Yeah. And that my personal opinion, I don't know if anyone actually ever taught me this, but my personal opinion was that Catholics, that you, there, there were people that attended a parish and called themselves Catholic that were still saved despite going to a Catholic, Catholic church. church. But that would, because of, that would be because of ignorance. Sure. Once they truly believed or understood what the Catholic they Church leave. taught, they would leave. They would definitely yeah. leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know, that, the, the uh, my pastor converting was not necessarily, that was like kind of a big moment in mm -hmm. my conversion, but I'd say it was not um, the beginning of it. And I'd say it actually started when I went to Bible college. No kidding. You know, have you have you seen or read that book uh, by um, Tim Staples called? Uh, oh dang it! J Jimmy Swagger made me a Catholic or no, something. No, I've heard I've heard about it because he was Assembly of God, right? Yeah, he yeah. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was so. I, I when I was young, I like I said, I was a Prote uh, cradle Protestant. I felt the call into ministry. Sure. And all my youth pastors of the churches I had gone to, even some of the ones that weren't that were non-denominational, had gone to an Assemblies of God college called Northwest College, okay. Kirkland, Washington. Okay. And uh, so I, I thought, that's where I'll go. And so I, I went there and I, you know, I, as a, just a cocky high school student, just thinking you know everything about Christianity and you've sure. got it all figured <laughs> out, you know, you've got all your doctrines figured out, you know the Bible. And, you know, I'm going to go in there and get my degree and, and go off and be a pastor, right? And that was just, it, it, I, what I learned in college is that, and this is what every kid should learn in college, uh, is that you don't know much. Sure. I think that's a big part of college is that, Slap you at least it should head. be that way, right? Yeah. Um, you get taught by these people who, you know, professors that know way more than you don't know yeah and you don't even know what you don't know sure and so I, I learned things like um well some people think you're saved by solely by works some people think you're saved by grace some people people think you're saved by a combination of those things and some of these christians they baptize and that's uh, infants and 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 some some 
don't baptize infants and they say you have to make that personal decision when you're older some say well baptism is the means of salvation that's the your entrance into the church and sure. some say no it's only symbolic yeah right and i i'm like i'm trying to wrestle with these all these different beliefs and i, I you know my impression of my four-year degree was all the classes i took was that there's a difference of opinion on these things and sometimes some places scripture teaches this opinion some teach that so you can kind of like make up your own mind okay and um so i i kind of came in as a cocky christian thinking i know everything and this 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 college is going to affirm me in my beliefs sure to coming out with boy you know there's a lot of hard work you have to put in to understanding what's true and what's not and there isn't a single denomination out there that has the full truth. Got it. You have to come to the, you have to find a group of believers that have it mostly right. Okay. And that, you know, the important thing is to assemble with like-minded people. Okay. And have good music, have good preaching and make friends. Did they right. talk about in terms of this would be an essential doctrine and this is eh, kind yeah. of off to the side. Yeah, I, I got that. As long you know. as you have the core, you're good. And then right. there's all this fringe stuff going on. <laughs> right. Just, you know, you believe Jesus is the son of God and that he died for your sins. Like, and that was a big, a big that start. Was, that yeah. was a good start. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we didn't even really talk about creeds. Yeah. I feel that. So, yeah. Those over time, have become less and less important. They have to become less and less important because of uh, kind of what you're saying. If people are viewing it from an a la carte standpoint, the creed actually grounds much of the belief framework in my understanding yeah, of it. So it does. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the most basic form of the creed is the sign of the cross, yeah. father, son, Holy ghost. And then you have the apostles creed, which starts off with God, the father, God, and then you get into this big meat, the meat of it. Exactly. God, the son. Yep. And then you have the Holy ghost and then, you know, all the other stuff that tags on after that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so that's, it's a template. And so we teach our kids the, the most basic form of the template, which is the sign of the cross. Yeah. And then you later on expand that out into the, the, the apostles creed. Yeah. Which is like, okay, here's the, here's, here's the outline. Yeah. Those are all the titles. Yeah. Now let's flesh that out. Exactly. And you can, there's volumes and volumes yeah. written on that. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. I, I, what I just learned recently was truly the Apostles Creed was in response to Gnosticism early on. And then the Nicene Creed, which is expounded Both, upon yeah. many of those articles, was response to Arianism. So hmm. over time, it, they had to get more. And this is honestly indicative of the entire church you have to get more and more specific when errors and heresies arise, but you right. don't want to get you right. off, off track. Here, no, but, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that really, so going to college, what, what I, you know, the compare myself to Tim Staples in a very small way, right? yeah. <laughs> but that really opened my eyes to, wow, I really don't know everything. Yeah. This is going to be fun. I get to dig in and at the, it, well, it was, it's fun, but at the same time, it's a burden because that's all on knowing, knowing that it's all on me. Right. And, and so that can be a heavy weight to bear. And one of the things that was nice coming into the Catholic church was like, 
oh, I can breathe this sigh of relief that there is a foundation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Other than just the Bible, which, because, you know, as a Protestant, you go by the Bible alone. And this is going to get me into, so the things, the next part of my story is the things that I did come, there are some things I did come out firmly in from, from, from my, from college. Okay. And that was sola scriptura, that we go by the Bible alone. And sola fide means we're saved by faith alone. And so those two things were like the two pillars of my faith. And if I can be bold, bold, as bold to say, for most Protestants, it's you go by the Bible alone and you're saved by faith alone. And I think that covers, you know, of course, there's no official Protestant manual that you can no, catechism no, no. That, that, you is go the that would be the but vast majority. It really was retained from, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's retained from the Reformation and nothing really changes it. Um, that is the core of everyone that I've, that I've met. Yeah. They reference those two. Yeah. Yeah. And so ever since I graduated from college in 98 and then just for years after that, I would, I would learn new things, tweak this belief, you know, come to a different understanding of a passage of scripture than I had before, sure. you know, and I just got, I was just on the process of tweaking things. Mm -hmm. And um, so when my pastor converted, I was like, oh, well, I'm take a few more things in, you know? I mean, I was shocked and I had a lot of questions. Yeah. But my, my attitude was, all right, let's see what he learned. And I can tweak a few things here and there. I had no intention of becoming Catholic ever because I know that's just another works-based religion. Yeah. Um, but I was, you know, I was an elder in the church, you know, of, of, of college kids, you know. So here I am, mid late twenties, right? I'm yeah. an elder in the church. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. That is funny. But it was all college kids, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so I was really, my point in saying that is not to brag, but just to say that uh, I was friends with this guy. Got right? Yeah. And I'm, and he was old, like how much older? Or was he also a young, uh, young guy? Five, six, seven years older than me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So my, actually my, um, his name is Drake McAllister. And some, one of my claim to fame is claims to fame is that he ended up after he con converted, you know, the church kicked him out and um, he ended up trying to sell cars for a while. And then, <laughs> and they ended up moving to Steubenville to go to Franciscan university, no got a master's degree there. Wow. They hired him on Scott Hahn hired him on. And Crazy. so he's a professor there now. He's still there. He's still awesome. there. In fact, he is, he's even cooler than that because um, he felt the call into the diaconate. Okay. And he was ordained uh, maybe three years ago. Wow. And then last year he became a priest. What? I know. So he is a married with children Latin right. Wow. Pre, I mean, very odd situation. Yeah. Um, maybe even a bit controversial. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Rare. Very rare. Yeah, but yeah. it was actually like, a, a, you know, a, I think you would probably say a 10 year process of discernment because when he first converted, he had a lot of people telling him, Hey, you know, there are some, sometimes where the church will allow uh, a, a clergyman from another denomination to become a priest. Okay. And, and he's like, no, 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 you know, and I understand, I got, I, I, I have, you know, he had three daughters at the time. He has five now. And he's like, I understand why 
pastors should be celibate and yeah. not have kids. It is way too much response. But now he's a, now he's a, now he's a priest. <laughs> so, so he, he's a great guy. Um, in fact, if you want to look up his story, he's, he was on the journey home show with Marcus, uh, Grodi. Marcus Grodi. Yeah. I think twice actually. I, I'm very interested. In yeah. That. Yeah. So, so anyways, so yeah, my, go ahead. You know, you know, I don't want to interrupt. So my, it came out of, Catholicism with these two pillars of my faith, yep. sola fide, sola scriptura. And, you know, when he converted, I went and I just was like, okay. Um, so I, I, what we, at, right before he converted, I had moved away out of state. And so when I found out this kind of through the grapevine, I called him up and I'm like, what's going on? And then we were, I just happened to be going back into town for a while. So he took me to mass. I'd never been to mass before. I was, it was most one of the most horrible experiences ever because not, not knowing what to do or? because as a protestant your kids go into sunday school oh yeah adults oh, yeah. go to the adult class oh yeah we right? know we know and that I, very well i had two toddlers at the time yeah and i'm just like thinking everyone's looking at me i can only imagine you know and like i'm making this big scene yeah yeah as if they're you're thinking just be quiet it's all about me but they're toddlers yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all about you why are, these, about me, you know? why are these darn kids here with me they should be but everyone school. else has their kids in there right? i know but it's still i i, I understand what you're saying 100 yeah. percent um as a fish out of water too this is liturgical this is like there's all these things people are doing they're standing they're kneeling and they're saying they're a lot of they're, they're responding, responding yeah and I, you feel like everyone's looking at you no one's like no one could care less yeah you know i'm sure yeah no one's saying, I bet this guy goes to Foursquare Church. <laughs> You're just like yeah. everyone else. Really. I mean, you can just blend in. Really, you can't. It's like, if, if you just look, if you just kind of look around and like sit when people sit and just kind of, you know, a split second later kneel yeah. when they kneel and a split second later stand <laughs> when they stand, you know, it's like you, you could go up and receive communion almost, you know, and commit sacrilege, sure. but no one would know the difference. No one would know. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. So. So I, so I went to mass and then afterwards was like, bam, bam, bam. But you guys worship Mary. You, know, you added all these books to the Bible. Uh, it's a workspace religion. Um, you guys want to make Mary the fourth person of the Godhead. Like, I believe that. And, and every answer he had was, it was like, it was almost like a reading a reader's digest sure. version of, of, you know, his answers were like a short answer, you know, for these and it, and it all just made total sense. That's crazy. For a lot of people, it takes many steps. But yeah. I do think of, I just heard about this. Well, I wasn't about to be a Catholic. No, I understand that. But even understanding where someone says, that makes sense. A lot of times I've heard, they're like, let me process for months, if not years, what you just said. I think a good resource... Um, for those of you that are not members of the Catholic Church, is to uh, as, as it relates to Mike's point about having these simplistic answers, there is a compendium of the Catechism of the Catholic Faith that really reduces, I don't want to say reduces the Catechism, but it really simplifies core points right. within the Catechism, and it makes every really dense doctrine more digestible. So for what it's worth, and I'll leave that in the description as well, the compendium of the, of the catechism. Yeah. So that's a good one with the, the, the standard catechism. Yeah. Um, that one, 
um, with the beauty of the language and the um, kind of the flowery language. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm not I'm not communicating very well here. I know what you're but saying. it tends to be a little more verbose. Yep. And so you can kind of get lost in that and miss the point. I think, especially you really newcomers or those that are right. considering. They're like, "What? I don't even know what these words mean." And then they spend yeah. time going to the glossary. No, seriously, it, you you spent with that book. You spend time on one page. Yeah, one page at a time. Maybe even just one paragraph at a time. Yeah, look up right. the references and the cross references. Exactly. You know, it's not something you just whip through. Yeah, yeah. So, so he. I left. I left that. Was just totally bewildered. Still not, you know, I'm not going to become Catholic, but a lot of the stuff made sense. And I just thought I can stay where I'm at and the church I'm at now, you know, I don't believe everything they believe anyway. Yeah. So what's the difference? I'll, I'll believe some other things that they don't believe anyway. Got I it. keep coming here. I've got, I've got friends and a really good small group, really good Bible studies, right? I can offer my two cents <laughs> in that, you know, and I was leading, I was leading a home group for newly married couples. So we, we, my wife and I were mentoring about four or five couples. That's awesome. And, and so I'm not, I don't want to leave that. Yeah. You know? Now, so the mentoring, I have a question for you. Yeah. How much of that was flowing back to scripture alone and faith alone? Or was it the type of mentorship that could almost be universal, you know, in, in, in a Christian framework, if that makes sense? Or did it seem very much specific to that denomination? That's, that's what the I'm mentoring about. of the, the mentoring the of the couples? young couples. Oh, that was just more like relationship advice. Okay. And it wasn't a lot of uh, theological, formal, sure. theological okay. Okay. stuff. I was just curious. Yeah. 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 Okay. But like when we, so when it was, like I said, we moved away, right? And interestingly enough, at the church we were at, we were wanting to become members of it. So we attended a membership thing. And there was like the 10 points that they get this kind of sign on the dotted line for, you know. And one of them was, you know, that you have to completely abstain for life from alcohol. And I was like, well, I have a beer like at the time, you know, once or twice a year. Okay. A beer. Like I didn't drink a lot. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't sign that. And the, my pastor said, well, yeah, a lot of people complain about that one. And, you know, just like, don't really worry about it. It goes way back from when <laughs> the Nazarene church was, you know, in the teetotaling movement. Oh, sure. That's kind of where it come, comes from. And yeah, it's like, but, you know, don't worry about it. In fact, I even have a glass of wine every once in a while. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, so they, this stuff really doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> and then what do you do with the wedding feast at Cana? Sure. I mean, come on, people. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I can, he, my pastor left me with a couple books. Mm -hmm. um, one of the, one of the ones that was most convincing to me was actually a, a relatively small book called By What Authority, written by Mark Shea. Okay. And Mark Shea's kind of gotten a little weird lately, but I, I highly recommend this book that one of the first books he wrote. Okay. And it was, it's really his, his journey into it's his story. Well, what was he previously? I can't. I Who can't knows? Remember. But he was a bit of distinctly, a distinctly a mainline denomination. I'm yeah, 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 he was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he he wrote the book. His his discovery into writing his his journey into Catholicism was based on him trying to refute this group of scholars called the Jesus Seminar that taught that Jesus never really raised from the dead; that oh, he wow. just rose from the dead in our hearts. Kind of a 
theology. And they, you know, they basically rewrite all the gospels and tell you what's true and what's not true. And basically none of it's true. You know, that, so wow. he, he wrote to refute them and then ended up not being able to refute them without the Catholic church. Got it. Yeah. And so surprised by authority is what, or no, um, by what authority? By what authority? That, that's what it is. Yeah, okay. by what authority? And by what authority do we have to teach to to to, to teach, teach to teach the truth, right? About the about the faith. Where did the Bible come from? Why do we believe? Who, who whose authority says the Bible is the inerrant word of God? Yeah, yeah. There's no table of contents. I mean, it didn't come with a table of contents. Yeah. You know, um, you know. I keep coming back to. Um, Luther, I'm right in the middle of a book uh, that was written about his life. Um, here I, here I stand. Okay. And he kept coming back to the Pope is abusing scripture. And b based on the abuses of indulgences, I don't want to get too far off, but yeah, this no, is, this is interesting. Um, based on those abuses, he then says the Pope is abusing scripture and we need to go by the, the plain, clear word of scripture. Mm -hmm. And it always begs the question, whose interpretation makes it plain? Because what is so plain to me in John 6, for example, is not plain to others. So no matter how you slice it, even if you appeal to that, you're always left with that massive question, whose interpretation? Yeah. And then once you get into that, you say, well, only the scholars, of course. Okay, which scholars? Because there are scholars in every denomination yeah. that are breaking down the Greek, breaking down the Aramaic, you know what I mean? Pulling out the Septuagint, pulling out the Vulgate, all of that ultimately still comes down to authority. It does. And, and you can't escape it. No. And tradition. That's another point. You can't escape tradition. You can say, I reject what Catholics refer to as tradition. But if you have an exegesis tradition that started in any given century that is a tradition of how you're going to interpret and i you know i would label that yeah. a tradition even if it's not the the catholic understanding of tradition so anyway no, it goes exactly back to what i was saying like when i was talking about when i got out of college mm -hmm. and i realized the on still in me to kind of study and i could stay within christian orthodoxy but there are a lot of nuances and you kind of have to figure that out. Yeah. It's like you proclaiming myself my own Pope. Sure. Because everything is relying on my interpretation of scripture. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, whose interpretation of scripture has the highest authority? Well, mine does. Yeah. Whereas I know that uh, here I am a guy in at the time, you know, 2006, 2004 or five, when I was doing my studying, you know, uh, uh, 2,000 years removed from when sure. Jesus was around and even longer removed from when the Old Testament books were written and they're written in a different language I've never read before. And I think that my, my little brain is going to be able to figure out what it all means. It's like how, how prideful and arrogant is that? Yeah, no, I understand that. Yeah. And the, yeah. the opposite is not saying, oh, I can't think for myself. Right. I just blindly submit. That's the other thing. It's like you can't have one end of the spectrum. You can't have the other. No, you can't. It's, you can still use reason while submitting and while recognizing that there is a an ultimate uh, authority. Uh, uh, an authority. Yeah, yeah. 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 A friend of mine, when I converted, he was like, so you're just going to check your brain out at the door now? Exactly. Like, That's <laughs> 
no, I'm not going to check my brain out of the door, but you should check yours in yeah, yeah. and come with me. Come right? with me. <laughs> <laughs> so when I, when I started learning these things, I thought I'm just going to tweak my faith, right? I'm just going to do a little tweaking here, a little tweaking there. Yeah. And one of the things that Mark Shea talked about in his book was sola fide and sola scriptura. And showing how sola scriptura, I mean, we go by the Bible alone, mm -hmm. is a self-refuting argument. Mm -hmm. It's a circular argument. You can't go, you know, basically, can I write a book myself and say, that's the, you know, who says that's authoritative? Mm -hmm. Well, the, the, you know, learning that the Bible wasn't even like finalized and like canonized until the late fourth century by Pope Damasus. And like what happened all the years before that? Mm -hmm. Well, they still had those books um, and they had even yeah. other books. And they were read at the mass. And yeah. they were at the mass. Yeah. Um, but you know, this book that I claim to go by solely um, doesn't even say in, in, in itself that you're supposed to go by it. Exactly. Only. Exactly. And then it wasn't even like finalized by the church until the late fourth century. It's like, well, for, 350 years what were christians doing mm -hmm. you know yeah um so you know long story short you know i i that that was the first stage of the tearing down of my faith still didn't have to become catholic yeah you know um you know and and i in in college we we use scriptures like uh was it second timothy three sixteen? i think that all scriptures god breathed and yep. useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness mm -hmm. Um, and you know, as a, as a proof text for, of course, for know, sola scriptura, for sola scriptura, it's yeah. like, well, that almost proves too much because that's, first of all, it's talking about old Testament. Exactly. That's, that's, what's so fascinating right. when you get the context, right? Right. Yeah. So that means the new Testament is kind of, well, sorry, new Testament. Mm -hmm. You're, you're kind of, and furthermore, it doesn't say all scripture alone. It's not even. It doesn't say It's not even implied no. because there are other verses that talk about tradition, how important tradition is. But I right, mean, exactly. Yeah. And one thing I found out is that in my in the New American, uh, New International Version of the Bible, which is what I was using up yeah. at the time, um, uh, the word the Greek word for tradition, was translated as tradition, and whenever it was in a negative context, like Jesus saying you uh your 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 traditions uh nullify the word of god okay yeah and then in places where paul like for instance paul would use it in uh second first thessalonians saying hand on the traditions they were passed would, on you, yeah. yeah it would say teachings yeah so it would take that same word translate it in the negative context of call it a tradition and in the positive context like what paul is using it, it would say it um teaching it's a teaching yeah yeah I was like, that's kind of a dirty thing. That's like, fascinating. I, you know, I, don't, I don't claim to judge their intention there, the, yeah. the translators of that version of the Bible, but it's just kind of leaves you scratching your head. Yeah, and I think there's a, there's room for, like I was saying earlier, reason. You can really start to think this out. Yeah, you can look into the Greek and really become a Greek scholar, mm -hmm. Hebrew scholar, right? But you can also look at the context of the verse, and you can also like you just said put yourself in that position would they be talking about the new testament when the new testament had not even been finalized or would mm -hmm. they be discussing the old testament and if the old testament are you saying we should go by mosaic law alone 
you know what I mean? Because if you're, if you go back and you're saying, well, they're discussing that explicitly, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and then if you say it isn't, no, it's all scripture. Okay. Which scripture, how do you know? When did it all, be? right. When was it finally recognized, received by the church, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the first pillar, you know, timber uh, on, on sola scriptura. And the next thing that what was sola fide mm -hmm. and so we're saved by faith alone and works has nothing to do with it. And I realize that in the Protestant realm, there are, there are many Protestants that actually think that works do have a, sure. you know, yeah. a, a play in your salvation. Mm -hmm. um, but if you read, uh, if you read, uh, blank on that, is it uh, first uh, James chapter two, I think two twenty four twenty four 24, 24. Yeah. I was gonna say 26. Yeah. Um, you know, so you can see a man is not, justified by faith alone that's the only place in scripture where the word faith and alone is put together it's we're not saved justified by faith alone yeah and then you you read um other other passages that you go back and reread them for the first time with the new lens you're like that doesn't it's not saying faith alone it's yeah. saved by faith i agree i totally agree we are saved by faith and there's nothing more uh then baptism, right? Yeah. There's nothing more, uh, the infant baptism. That's oh, like, Oh yeah. For justification. Yeah. 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 You exactly. know, that's, that's, that's faith. Yep. That baby is doing nothing. So true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, people would talk about the, the good thief on the cross. Oh yeah. As a, as a proof text or right. as an outlier. Like, yeah. Like he, he's standing there in front of these soldiers, in front of his buddy there that he committed these crimes with and all these people. And he's saying, Lord, remember me. I mean, that's an, that's like an action. It's a good point. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. 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 Well, the other thing that gets brought up with faith alone is often when, when Protestant views James 2, 2.24, they'll say, no, that's true. The works proceed mm -hmm. from salvation. And the Catholic says they work together you are in the process of being saved that's really the fundamental difference when we're mm -hmm. talking about that article of faith and works and my wife and i talk about this seemingly at times we're so close and then other times we're so far yes because we'll say work out your salvation i've even had this conversation with protestants i'm like work out your salvation in fear and trembling and they will say no absolutely I, I, I agree with what you're saying. However, I believe that I'm also currently saved and it's nothing of my own. When they will say, no, grace is given to you. We're all yeah. in agreement. You cannot just do these things and say, right. I'm just going to get up and start working my way to heaven. Right. The Lord prompts us in every way. So it, this well, is the know, stuff that frustrates that help me. Kind of get over that whole works thing is that I, I don't know what I was thinking about what works were, yeah. Um, and and why almost like, um, like there was some sort of liturgical formal work I had to do or works of law. And you know, the, the works he's talking about are loving your wife, um, loving your kids, yeah, that's a work. The, the actions you do in love for, for, for the people around you. Mm -hmm. And like, that's, that's the, those are the works he's talking. Like how long do you think you could go of not loving your wife? 
and, and God to say, okay, you're out of here. Yeah. You know, you're not a Christian anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like those are the works. So it's like, I want to tell my Protestant brothers and sisters that believe in faith alone. It's like, you're, you're doing those works. And if you stop doing those works, yeah, you're not, I don't see how you can say you're saved anymore. Exactly. Yeah. How far do you take that? How far do you right. say, I don't need to do anything to make your point? Because God would say, no, you, you reap what you sow. I learned this from Tim Staples. Okay. Sowing itself is an action. You're, you know what okay. I mean? So yeah. when you are reaping what you have sown, you are essentially saying, okay, what are the consequences of the actions? And these actions are either geared towards walking by the flesh or walking by the spirit. And if we all believe we're walking by the spirit, well, then we will persist in that. Mm -hmm. And see, this is where, again, they'd say, no, I agree. I agree. We have yeah. to persist. In it. So it just becomes these, um, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. These little differences that become so big over time. I don't know. Yeah. 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 I, I, I feel like a lot in a lot of ways, when I was talking about it with my, my friends during my conversion phase, yeah, that there was a lot of um, talking past each other. Yeah. And me being, you know, new and not well equipped to explain things, I felt like I wouldn't, like they weren't hearing me and I wasn't able to com communicate in a way that they could understand and sure. could hear me. And yeah. I don't know. Well, each person has an agenda of sorts and they want to get their point across and yeah. it's hard to listen when you're doing and, that. And you know, like I said, my conversion, my conversion process started way back in college and where I just kind of, those seeds were planted in me of, of being open yeah. to, to learning more. And some people are just closed off at that point in their lives. Mm -hmm. And, but, but when you give your little, you know, all the little people, all, all the people <laughs> that made those little comments about sure. to me and like taught me things, you know, they just began to soften my heart. And so you, you're going to be that person to others. Got it. And maybe 10 years down the road, they, they'll something will click they'll think back to my conversation maybe if i'm you know lucky enough yeah and then all the other people that helped them get That's to where they were you know yeah, yeah, if, yeah. if my pastor had converted when i when i was still in college who knows i, I wouldn't be a I, I can't say i'd be ready for it yeah but every the pieces were all played just right so that when that happened it really blew open the doors so, 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 so it's a tearing down of my faith yeah. that I can no longer believe in these things, but I don't have to become Catholic yet. Right. And, but my, 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 um, I still had a couple books I was reading from my pastor that he gave me that by what authority one, and then, uh, fundamentalism and, and, uh, Catholicism and, and fundamentalism by Carl Keating mm -hmm. was another one. That's more of a systematic, like here are all the Protestant objections. Here's the Catholic answer. And uh, that's that book was written back in the eighties. I was just gonna yeah. say that's like before Catholic Answers probably I took think, shape. I think so, yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. Is what I think. Yeah, I mean, because Carl Kitty is the founder yeah, exactly. of Catholic Answers yeah, yeah. for people who don't know. Yeah, and so I read that one, and um, so I no longer believed in, in saved by faith alone and Scripture alone, um, but I. I was, I didn't, at that point, you still don't have to become Catholic. Yeah. Um, but I learned in, the next thing was John 6. Yeah. You know, the Eucharist. Yeah. And I mean, I had grown up reading scripture and that 
John 6, the, the last half of John 6 is so easy, but was, was so easy to interpret as symbolic. Of course. Uh, but boy, I, this is what happened as the more you get yourself into Catholicism, if you're really familiar with scripture and yeah. you go back and start reading these other things, like just, they just boom. Yeah. Like well, you, you're starting to totally put on difference. You're starting to put on a new lens. And that's what I described in my yeah. version story. I'm like, what is going on? And I was raised Catholic and I could not yeah. see some of this truth in, yeah. in the Bible. But anyway. So, yeah. And I just, how can you say, I mean, all these people left Jesus because he told them that they had to gnaw on his flesh in order to be saved. And if, if you don't eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Yeah. And if that's, if that's symbolic, why, and he, why did he repeat it three times? And for those Greek scholars out there, right? I'm not one, but what I've read yeah. <laughs> is that he gets more and more graphic every time he repeats it. And every time, cause people are fight, are resisting him saying, yeah. This is crazy. This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? I'm out of here. And he keeps saying it. And like the last time, what Carl Keating describes it as in Greek, he's saying, unless you, like a dog gnaws on a bone, unless you eat my flesh in that way, you have no life in you. And I, you know, I'm recapping here for a thing that took, you know, a year and a half, two years to really kind of come to fruition. But um, like once I realized that I was like, I want that because I, I don't have life in me. Here I am in my, uh, you know, late thirties, gone to church all my life. Like I said, thinking I do not have the life of Christ in me and where do I get it? I don't know a single Catholic besides my pastor and he lives in Steubenville, Ohio. <laughs> And you were still yeah. in Washington at the time? Well, actually, where were you? So that was in Washington. I remember I moved to, to, to like, don't you I moved out of town <laughs> yeah. uh, a year before, that, uh, uh, about a, a few months before he converted. Okay. And he kept his conversion a secret. Like all his, he's got his own great story, but he was doing it in the background because you can't, as a Protestant pastor, you can't come out and say, uh, so everyone, I'm looking into Catholicism, you know? No. You and he didn't know, he, like me, he didn't really know until it was all too late yeah so i'm thinking i don't have, i still don't have to become catholic i can still get this somewhere else the eucharist um i don't know what was going through my head honestly but i still didn't have to become catholic um but what the so the thing that really got me was apostolic succession though once i once i learned apostolic succession then i was convinced that the that Catholicism was true, mm -hmm. and I no longer needed to study um, to convince before I became Catholic. I was like, oh, in other words, that pillar fell; everything else falls into line. Right, right. It's kind of like yeah. they have the authority to teach. Yeah. Therefore, at this point, it's a matter of studying your butt off still, of course, but not in the way that you would. Uh, tried to refute exactly you know it would be to understand to where understand. the teaching came from rather than i'm going to prove them wrong right yeah you know beat on it all you want mm -hmm. right so i'm not saying you check your brain out at the door yeah you verify you, you know you, you trust but verify mm -hmm. you know so you, you can push on it if you can't push on it if you can't like 
come at it from every angle and attack the 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 dogma and the doctrine yeah then it it's not a good one to believe in mm -hmm. so I, I like that about catholicism about through the years the doctors of the church and the saints of the church they haven't just rolled over and believed everything yeah necessarily but they've they've tested it and also you know i guess you could say like we started off with, with talking about the creeds and the purpose of the reasoning for the, the create creating them was to combat heresy. So yeah, it's almost like um, the the heretics have kind of punched it and pressed on it to 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 try to knock oh, it to down. Knock it down, yeah. And the church responded with with uh, you know clarifying teaching. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, you know, it's very Aquinas, right? He 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 does the best job. He does at at drawing. Giving, go ahead. Get, get, st steel manning an argument. Exactly. He does the best. Of, you know, his opponents will say, "Oh, that's a really good way to say it." Yeah, yeah, I believe that. And then Thomas would go and, you know, yeah, refute it. He did such a good job. And the Summa, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, one thing related to apostolic succession, and I'll, I'll leave it in the description here. I just heard about this site. It's okay. very helpful for those that are exploring Catholicism. It's churchfathers.org, and it groups various fathers' quotes based on categories. So if you want to learn what, about what they thought about the Eucharist, you're going to see this laundry list of... of is that Jimmy Akins? I don't know whose okay. it is. I just know that it is very well done. I just started looking at it a few hours ago. Nice. Um, because a lot of people will say, I want to explore the early church fathers. I want to see who was saying what. Now, that's not going to solve all the issues for a lot of people because they'll still have their lens on at times mm -hmm. and just say, oh, it doesn't say what you think it says. Ultimately, it's still going to come down right. to authority. But it is good to have the collection in one spot, so I think that that's worth worth noting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. Church fathers, man. Wow. There, there. So, so many people that come into the church mm -hmm. from outside the church, um, converts. They, they, they rely on the church fathers. And Jimmy, so Jimmy Aiken has a book called "The Fathers Know Best." I've heard of that one. I haven't. And that that one is a great uh, compendium of of lots of different church father teachings okay and you know it doesn't give a lot of context around stuff sure um but no, that's not the purpose of it i don't think because mm -hmm. um, you can go look at the source he's got all the sources there you know yeah. but if you want to see like the two sentences you know from all the church early church fathers that talked about the eucharist being the real presence yeah it's a great resource yeah and then you can go look at the context for your protestant friends if, if they yeah you know to to check it out yeah um i don't know if you're familiar you probably are with unless were you finished with that portion of the story so i can i don't even know what story i was on so just <laughs> go for it man uh francis francis chan you know oh, francis yeah, yeah. chan you know how he is was he, is he is he converting i don't know what's he... going on okay. the most recent video i saw was he was talking to a gentleman that had been calvinist of the reformed faith mm -hmm. and had converted to eastern orthodoxy and there was another gentleman, I forget his background, um, was not Catholic. And he, what led to that conversation was that sermon where he started talking about, I didn't realize that for 1500 years, right. the body, blood, soul, divinity was preached at the center of worship is Christ. Not at the center of worship is a person with a microphone, and he right. wasn't trying to be rude. Or he just said five minutes of music. Correct. So he yeah. just got 
hit and he started to feel humbled. He's like, oh man, what am I doing? I go into my office and I spend whatever two days writing a sermon based on my interpretation of a specific story. And everyone's waiting for me to deliver this message that yeah. I interpreted. And so he's on a journey. I just thought because of the evangelical background, maybe you, you knew about that oh, because yeah, I, I find that fascinating. He's so humble to be able to say, man, this is really rocking me. I don't see symbol in 750 AD. I don't see symbol in 975 AD. You just don't see it. And if someone goes back and says, well, look at that group. You're like, okay, now you're in a category of relying on like remnant pieces that don't even, that have no continuity to the beginning. That's where right. I started to see if you have a will, you can put pieces in the puzzle that don't, you're, it's basically like forcing, you know, when you, when you have uh -huh. kids that are learning how to do a puzzle okay. and they're forcing the pieces together, oh, yeah, yeah. like it doesn't go there. The colors don't match. I feel that, that that's a dangerous position um, where you may just believe, no, it, ha it has to work here. Dang it. <laughs> Can't you believe, yes. don't you remember that one guy that said something? Right, eisegesis versus exegesis. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so one of the things that really struck me and that I tried to use as a tool to convert friends and family was um, that the Bible that we go, that the Bible, the, the, the Sola Scriptura, go by this alone. Yeah. So that wasn't actually finalized and like stamped together until the late fourth century. Mm -hmm. And then the fact by a bunch of guys that run ran the Catholic church. Right. Mm -hmm. And most of the, and, and, and all those early church fathers in those first four centuries taught all these Catholic doctrines. Sure. So this book that you tamed, uh, claimed to go by solely was put together and finalized by all these people who believe the Catholic doctrines. And so if these people that put the Bible together, believe that stuff, then that's a, yeah, that's, it's another it extra angle. weight it does. to the fact that it, it if they were so corrupted yeah. that they have all these bad Catholic doctrines mm -hmm. and they believe them, then can you really trust the Bible? Because they're the ones that put it together. Yeah. That's a good point. And to explain it that way rather than, um, I, you know, online, you, can, you can't do so. You can only do so much no. with writing, you know, but people will just throw up, who, put, who gave you the Bible? Like, it doesn't... You, do, you know what I mean? You can't flesh it out in the same way as, as you just explained right now. Yeah. So that's really important. Um, and I, I come back to, and I know a lot of people do, the Trinity. You know, you grab Old Testament, even New Testament. You could say, okay, I see. How would you develop that doctrine as we know it today? I'm, I'm mm -hmm. studying it right now, the Trinity. And when you ask someone, I remember my grandfather who was Lutheran and then he was Presbyterian. So um, his whole life, Lutheran, Presbyterian, there may have been another denomination, but he said to me when I mentioned to him that I was going to a non-denominational church, he said, do, do they believe in the Trinity? Mm. I said, yeah, they do. And he goes, that's the most important. Yes. And then as the years went on, I, I began to think, okay, how do we know about the doctrine of the Trinity. That the Father is holy God, that the Son is holy God, mm -hmm. that the Holy Spirit is holy God. You know what I mean? Right. It's not something that you can just get the Greek on and then say, I've got the doctrine. This, this is painstaking, Holy Spirit-inspired stuff. 
that so many have accepted. But then if you go back and say, well, I accept that as authoritative, yeah. but I don't accept these other things because they don't make sense to my mind. I'm, I, I would ask, how does the Trinity even make sense? Oh no, It's the biggest mystery. It's beyond comprehension, really. We, we think we can read another book about this. You think you can get your arms around it? You can't. Ultimately, you accept it by faith. Do you know what I mean? I would agree with that. Yeah. I think it, um, I've, I've been going through the Baltimore Catechism with my, my young girls. So if anyone hasn't discovered the Baltimore Catechism as a catechesis tool for your kids, you gotta, you gotta get one. I think it was like five bucks on Amazon. Yeah. You know, buy that's it. what, yeah, that's what our oldest is doing as well. Really? Okay. Yeah. 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 I highly recommend it. It's the, I wish I would have discovered it when my oldest kids were three, four and five years old because it is the most clear and concise way to catechize your kids. Got it. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just so simple, but it, one of the first things in there is it's talking about the Trinity and it's just so important to have a firm grasp of the Trinity because everything flows from out of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's essential it to is. our faith. Yeah. So, and it also, it has one of the best diagrams in there of the Trinity. Oh, yeah, with the circles and the, the lines that connect yeah. the circles. Yeah, the Father is not the Son, yes. the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yes. I'm like, yeah. wow, where has this been all my life? I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I found myself learning many things through just the, simple, the simplicity of the Baltimore Catechism. Have you heard? This is, this is a little off topic. It still relates. There's a Lego Catechism. We have it. Okay. Oh, excellent. The, yeah. The typology in that book, and if for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, connecting the old to the new, Old Testament to New Testament, the things that are prefigured in the old happening in the new, they do a remarkable job. So I'm reading this to my kid, and I'm learning yeah. a lot of new typology. stuff. Typology. Typology. Yeah. Just, I think it, it feels like you're reading a Scott Hahn book in Legos. It does. It does. <laughs> they nailed it. They absolutely nailed it. Yeah. And it's so crucial to see the typology, to be able to connect the two. Otherwise, um, everything's so isolated. And that's, I believe, why I gave up reading the Bible early on. I mean, as a, yeah. as a teenager, like, I don't know what the heck any of this means. And now I'm in all humility, I am basically relearning the entire thing right now. I realized how, how little I knew as it relates to the continuity of the Bible itself and how Jesus is mm -hmm. found throughout. So, yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things that I was really blessed with as a growing up in a Protestant church and attending Sunday school every Sunday morning is the, the, uh, the excellent curriculum that we would get, you know, but geared towards children yeah. and you know, the flannel boards <laughs> where, where you've got, I mean, I just had all these old Testament stories drilled into my memory. Same with my wife. It's through. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I'm talking about, you know, send, you know, someone asks you, you know, they, they went need some spiritual direction, like lay out a fleece, you know, it's like Gideon, you know, laying out the fleece, you know, and it's like so many of those stories. I remember talking with a priest about it. And he was like, a fleece? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like what? <laughs> uh, anyway. Well, so, cool. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to add about the whole You know, thing? if anyone out there is, is not, if you're not 
if you're on a journey and you're just checking out Catholicism for the first time, one of the biggest regrets I have with my conversion is that I did not let other people in on it during the process. I really wish that I would have said, hey, did you know that Sola Scriptura isn't actually scriptural? You know, and, and here's why I just discovered this. Isn't that cool? It's like, well, that's interesting, you know. Or did you know that we're not actually saved just by faith? Um, or did you know that um, uh, that ba infant baptism isn't against scripture? Mm -hmm. You know, all these these things that um, I, I wish I would have shared my, my friends and family in the process with me. Got it. Because by the time I was, I, I realized I had to become Catholic. It was like, hey, I got to become Catholic. And no everyone one, was like, no yeah, way. No one you know, was on that away. journey with you to right. see where you were headed. Right. My, so, my pastor at yeah. the time, because I moved and, and I told him, you know, hey, I want to get together with you and show you what I'm learning, you know, and because we come to grow close to over the, 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 over the short time I was there. And, and he's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's get together. And like next week, hey, I want to share with you, share with you the stuff I've been learning. And then all of a sudden it was like, it was instead of I want to share with you, it was um, hey, I'm going to become Catholic. Yeah. Or I don't, I think I'm, I basically told him, I'm going to have to become Catholic now. And he's like, he looked at me and said, Mike, I want you to make your break with this church as quickly and cleanly as possible. Wow. And that was it. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. I, I can definitely attest to that. And I've heard a lot of stories. People are doing the same thing. They, they're saying, this is my, journey there might be fear to even talk about any anything yeah. that would be called an objection because they don't feel that they're ready to address it so let's just leave it alone until i'm fully catholic but then if someone knows nothing of catholicism they wake up and you're like i'm catholic yeah what, what do you think and then they have 50 objections <laughs> right you know that have been yeah. maybe pent up that they weren't even aware of what I'm saying is I completely understand what you're saying. That's a big, that's a big point. Yeah. And I wonder if that's something that um, will come up as a theme as I keep yeah. doing this. So. And, and people aren't as excited to learn about it as, as you might be. Yeah. But I, I was, when I, when I just had discovered all this and, and kind of basically committed to becoming Catholic at some point. Yeah. Um, you know, we went to our family members thinking that they would share the same excitement and yeah. enthusiasm yeah. for learning about the Catholic faith. Sure. And <clears throat> it quickly turned very emotional. There's a, a very much an emotional response because when you're, when you're raising a, a solidly godly, you know, Protestant family, mm -hmm. um, and then you reject that, I, I can understand, um, how it would be offensive and, and hurtful to our family members. And so, man, if I just would have brought them in on the conversation, because I used to have great conversations with one of my brother-in-laws about scripture and he was, he was with the church of God. Oh, and okay. and yeah. so we had some different beliefs on things. Like yeah. he didn't believe in the rapture. I did. Yeah. And we would talk about it, you know, and it would do a great non-emotional just conversations, yeah. you know, and I'd be like, ah, that, that's a good point, you know? Yeah. And I actually ended up not believing in the rapture because of him. That's another, another thing I deviated <laughs> from most of Protestants. And, That's funny. And, but after, after I converted, yeah, 
nothing. Yeah. Can't, we can't talk about it. Yeah. It, it's, it's so, so hurtful, mm-hmm. you know, I, and it, it was almost like a more of a blow to my pride than it was hurtful because I, here I thought I had all this influence yeah. and this clout. No, it's all, and I was like, it humbles Mike's you a, in every now, way. I'm just a chump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's the same, what you just described It's the same with any family, you know, if there's a devout Catholic family, shoot, I can only imagine how my parents felt when I, all of a sudden I'm in a non-denominational church. I'm thinking, what's, it's no, it's no different. Really. I mean, yeah. Um, you know, dad, dad uh, was Lutheran. He, grew, he was raised Lutheran and now he's Catholic. What, you know, I yeah. viewed it as like, everyone is just going from <laughs> course to course, but it's highly emotional for all sides because I yeah. mean, that's, that's what happens when you have, like we said, the creed, you're, you're, what is the word? You are assenting. You're saying yes to a very specific thing. And if someone has a misconception about what that, those specific things are within Catholicism, it can mm-hmm. be even more emotional because immediately these light, lights go off and they're like, oh my gosh, uh, worshiping images and, you know, all these other things and purgatory and I don't understand indulgences. And it's just right. this big, big thing. Um, yeah, purgatory, that was another one. But yeah. I remember when I, so when I, when I, when I first, you know, I, I learned a lot about various things, mm-hmm. uh, Catholic teachings. Yeah. Um, but like, remember I said, you know, once I learned it, uh, believed in apostolic succession based off of the first chapter of Acts where they had to fulfill the office. Office. Yeah, that's right. Of uh, Judas Iscariot. That's right. And I was like, office, you know, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. It's like, why, why would you need to replace that? Mm-hmm. You he know, had if, 12 if it's it was a, yeah yeah it's like well you have 11 now what to do you know it's like well no you know and so when peter passed on they had to replace his office and and they just kept going on down the line mm-hmm. um so after i converted so my wife was like the exact opposite you know i was like okay apostolic succession i believe everything now um i just gotta learn it yeah and she was like no you got to prove every single point. I got to, you got to like every little iota, you got to prove it. And so I remember one time she was reading, she was reading the Carl Keating's book. And um, she goes, did you know that Mary was born without sin? And I said, I believe that now. I go, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me more about it. Uh, you know, it, I, it's, you know, some people will think that's, just you know naive and like i did check my brain out the door and so be it but i just you know i i think that we're called to come to the faith like a child like a child not child ish but childlike it's like yes i believe i i I ascend to that you i remember you saying that specific thing actually when we were um at that poker night yeah um that you said I guess that's what I believe now. And, you know, to a lot of people, that's like, oh, you checked out, you know, yeah, yeah, you checked your brain at the door, but you're absolutely right. Are you going to track down every doctrine? Are you going to go back in time and understand the culture? Are you going to understand understand who was transcribing what manuscript? Are you going to understand? I mean, there is a point. I agree with you. It's so diverse. It's so rich. And that's the other thing where you just say, this is beyond me. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing that it's beyond us. If you could get your arms around it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. There, they, I think there's an appreciation for the mystery. Same with the sacraments, same with God himself. He reveals himself 
but you can't you can't get your arms around no, you the infinite. You cannot. And I, I was feeling that despair. So during the early earlier parts of my conversion, when I was almost sure I had to become Catholic, right on the verge, yeah. very verge, and I was just like, I'm a guy with a full time job. I got three kids at the three, yeah, the two kids at the time, you know. And I'm just trying to like hold down my family and my job yeah. and, yeah. you know, kind of read a few bits and pieces here and there. And I was like, you got, we also got some Protestant books that yeah. refuted Catholicism. That's good. So I'm reading those too. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, I can't, I can't figure this out. I, I just, yeah. I quit. Yeah. It's kind of no yeah. man's land. They talk, yeah. I mean, I've heard about that many times. And my you pastor that converted called me up and he's like, is I think this this was the Holy Spirit, and He was just like, "What's keeping you from from coming over, Mike?" That was, <laughs> and that was bold of Him, and just kind of pushed me like that. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I told Him, I, I, don't, I have no idea. Yeah. What What's true and what's not true anymore? I don't know. And it's almost like, I, I can't go. I, I was like, I can't see I can't go back to being Protestant, but I, I can't commit to Catholicism because I've been duped once. I don't want to be duped again. Mm -hmm. And then, but the only other option is paganism, you know? <laughs> so he got to help me through that. And, um, uh, really what, what, this is going to kind of seem kind of funny. Yeah. Um, or maybe kind of frivolous, but yeah. at the time it was huge. Yeah. When I, when I discovered in one of my Protestant books that I was reading, that it talked about how in one part of the book, it talked about the apocryphal books, mm -hmm. quote unquote, ap apocryphal books, the seven books that the yeah. Catholics added. Right. Sure. And it talked about how the reasons why they shouldn't be part of the canon, mm -hmm. you know, and then, um, you know, gave a few pages to that. And then later on, it talked about how in the fourth century, they were part of the canon. And that's, that was just like, that was, that was huge for me because mm -hmm. it was like, wait a second. Mm -hmm. So Martin Luther did take those out after all. Um, he, he, based on, he demoted, he demoted yeah, them to the appendix basically. Yeah. yeah. It's like, so they, it's like this book that I regard so highly that I base all my faith on was modified. Yeah. That's a heavy. heavy and I was thing. like, Whoa, you know, time out. And then after that, it just seems like, Catholicism was was the only option. Yeah, you know, myriad of issues, yeah, or reasons for that. But yeah, that was that was huge in me getting over my despair of of um, who can decide. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Oh man, I think we're gonna have to cut it there. That was that was awesome. Yeah. Man. Is there any like last thing you want to add um, before we? No, we'll leave it there. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for the time. Yeah. Eddie. My pleasure. I, you know, I never get tired of telling the story. Yeah. And it's a little different every time. Yeah. Um, but it seems like the longer you go from your conversion, mm -hmm. you know, the uh, less often you get to tell it. Yeah. You know, and I wish I would have written it down earlier well, you told on. Me that. Yeah. Process. You told me that. Maybe you'll write a book about it. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to like yeah. actually, you know, get my wife to keep me honest for most of it. I, I know, think, seriously. Well, I'm sure like a lot, of, your, a lot of wives, yeah. they just have incredible memories. Because that fish, man, is like yeah. this big. <laughs> it's huge. 
<laughs> uh, okay, cool. Uh, guys, thank you so much for uh, watching this video. As I always say, visit my website, eddietrask.com. I invite you to subscribe to this channel. If you are a revert or a convert or know anyone that is a revert or convert, please send them to my site. Yes. I would love to just really get more and more diverse testimonies. Everyone has a different, very different story to tell. So uh, with that, until next time, take care and God bless.